0: in this country is broken. We work ourselves to death and miss out on so many of life's experiences along the way. There's got to be a better way. David Adams is a certified financial planner and CPA and founder of David Adams Wealth Group, an independent firm that offers securities through Raymond James Financial Services and is here to help you learn how to
1: retire while you work and develop a different way of thinking when it comes to managing your money.
0: Hello, hello. Welcome. I'm your host, David Adams, and this is Retire While You Work, And you can hear us every Sunday on News Radio 1510 WLAC. You can also go to retirewhileyouwork.com and submit your question. We'd love to answer that. Or you can always give us a call at 615-435-3644. And we have two special guests in the studio today. We have Siobhan Farler. From our office, she's a wealth advisor, and she's going to be answering your questions. Hello, Siobhan.
2: Hello. I'm glad to be here. It's fun to be back.
0: Glad to have you back. And we also have a special guest, Sherrod Robertson, the owner of Music Row Magazine. Hello, Sherrod.
3: Hello there. Thanks for having me.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Glad you're here. And in our last segment, he's going to discuss his decision to acquire Music Row Magazine and the decision processes and the emotions behind making that sort of transition. That's also the main topic I'm going to discuss today, the art of moving into the second career, and this is something we talk about quite a bit when it comes to that retire while you work journey, very important. And then we're also gonna have a little fun today with our trivia segment, Know Your Doe, plus I'll be answering some of your questions in the Ask David segment. So a lot to get to today. Let's go and first talk about why we do this show each week. I can tell you after 15 years of being a financial advisor, I've seen too many people work themselves to death and save every penny, thinking they don't have enough money to retire, only to find out once they quit working, that now they don't have hobbies, or they miss working, or their purpose is unclear, and worst of all, maybe their health isn't there. I know Siobhan, we see this in our office every week, and it's we sad. We do.
2: It's so, very sad.
0: And it's something we want to help to really spark a change and a real movement to uh, over this antiquated way of thinking about money and the unhealthy fear surrounding money. And a large part of that, of course, it's finding a way to make a transition to a career and a job that you're passionate about. And many people never do this out of fear. And so this is where the second career comes in. And our guest today, again, Sherrod Robertson, he's going to discuss this. He was actually in finance for years before deciding to make a transition to pursue a dream and a second career. And we're going to talk about this in our last segment. So stay tuned for that. But first, let's chat about this topic some in the second career. You know, really, our parents and grandparents, they used to go into work every day to the same office, doing the same job with the same boss for their entire life they'd work a lot of times at their company for 40 years. I know my father was in retail for 42 years. Then they hit 65 and they retire. And, you know, this is this is the way it's been for a long time. And it's no surprise that now people are living a lot longer. In fact, I think I read that, you know, a female born today is expected to live to be almost 90 years old.
2: I saw that as well. Yes. Yep.
0: So almost a, de- a decade longer than our parents' generation. And so that means we have to really look at, you know, ways to have a healthier work-life balance. If we're going to continue working to 85 or 90. Now, let's talk about the work-life balance. So we need to be pacing ourselves. I read a study that 46% of all American workers have less than $10,000 saved. That's scary. 29% have less than $1,000. So really, if you think about that, if we're living longer, and that's the stats as far as money saved in the bank, the only option is prolonged work. And it's just not possible to keep working in my opinion, from what I've seen, the 70-hour work week for 40 years, it's just not possible. So we need careers that won't drain us of all of our physicality, just like my dad's story. I had my dad on here three or four weeks ago, and this was exactly what he did, 42 years of retail, and he was forced to retire because of a health scare. And he's learned a lot from that, and um, he would do things differently. But fortunately, his health is back, and he's happy now. So that's that's good. But you know, corporate America isn't going to help us with the staying healthier and really be um, on top of our hours worked and how we're feeling, there's 83%. This was a study that was just done. 83% of Americans are stressed at work. Now, Sherrod, was, were you stressed at work in your first job? Was this?
3: I was because I started at Arthur Anderson, you know, pre-Enron wow. days. I was at Price Waterhouse. <laughs> ah, well, there you go. The big
0: four, yeah. We yeah together. It
3: was uh, very stressful, to say the least. Fortunately, I was very young and I had tons of energy, but um, – it was, there was a lot of stress. I mean, we were working 15 hour days, oh, yeah. but because I was young, I was also going to play hard as well. So um, yep. I did that for four years for four before years. I got into the music business. Yeah.
0: I made it for about two years, uh-huh. but I remember the lifestyle. When was that?
3: This was uh, 86 to 90. Gotcha. Yep. Long time ago.
0: Oh yeah. Well, absolutely. And you know, it's, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Retire While You Work and we're talking about the art of the second career, and how that really factors in to people's happiness and the ability to continue working with people living a lot longer. And younger generations, they're really there there's an interesting trend and in they're finding, and I've interviewed a lot of them, and we've had them come in our office for internships. Um, they're more concerned with finding happiness and fulfillment with their work. And that's a good thing. But if you look at there was a study, I think it was from the Bureau of Labor Statistics that said the average, worker currently has 10 different jobs before the age of 40 years old.
2: Wow. 10 jobs by 40. Yeah,
0: that's it's now that sounds a little excessive. I'm not necessarily endorsing that. But I will say something that I've you know, that I am endorsing is really, you know, taking the plunge into that second career after, you know, 20 years of working yourself 60, 70 hours and saving for kind of those mid range goals. So let's talk about that. I mean, typically, your first job is where you work hard and you pay off your house, maybe you, you have children, and you're saving for your kid's college and retirement. But once people are hitting 40 years old, we're seeing that they're leaving their previous stressful and taxing jobs, and they're shifting to a second career to start something that they enjoy. Now, Sherrod, I don't know. Is this something that resonates? Was this part of your decision process, or was it?
3: Yes. Well, uh, you mean to switch over? To switch, yeah. Some yeah.
0: Kind of corporate. Uh,
3: yeah. So I had really a full career working for someone else, you know, working, having a boss, and I think I was pretty good at that. That's what I was trained at doing. And I think I might be a little unusual in the fact that when I decided to take the plunge and buy a company and have my own company, I literally spent maybe a second analyzing it. As soon as the opportunity arose, I knew it. It it was just like a sign that was saying yes. You had clarity. Yes. It was nothing that I had to interpret. So I was very lucky that way. Wow.
0: Well, that's great. I mean, to have that kind of clarity and you know i think you know this plays into you know i was talking in orlando last week to a group of advisors about finding your why because if you don't have a why in what you do then it's easy to burn out and that's that's not a fun place to be so um you know and and you know i don't you know i would advise doing this sooner rather than later i know you have to you have to be in a position to do it. You know, if, if you have to wait till 55 or 60, that's fine. But do it much sooner if you can. And that's why we talk about on the show having the three buckets of money. And we'll talk about that when we come back from break. But we're talking about the art of the second career. And we have special guest, Sherrod Robertson, who went through this process. And it's going to be on in our last segment. We're going to interview him about that. We also have your questions throughout the week coming up right after the break. You're listening to Retire Where You Work. I'm your host, David Adams, on News Radio 1510 WLAC. Back in a few. Hello and welcome back to Retire While You Work. I'm your host, David Adams, on News Radio 1510 WLAC. Just before the break, we were talking about starting the second career and how that is a Very uh, important new trend in the retire while you work mindset, and we have a special guest, Sherrod Robertson of Music Row Magazine, talking about his experience in our last segment, and a couple more points I want to make on that, and a little bit of advice if you're thinking about the second career. Um, Now, if we're going to have a job or a second career that's going to last us until we're 75 or 80. It's got to be something that is good for our body and also for our soul and mind. So part of that is really finding your why and finding what your passion is and what your calling is. And, you know, the sky is the limit. There are so many opportunities. Obviously, obviously that's something you'll be thinking through. But here are a couple of things to think in mind that we go through in our office with clients that are in this stage of life. You know, one thing to think through is, do you want to work for yourself or do you want to work? Uh, for someone else. Now, Shara, did you know that you wanted to work on your own after kind of making that transition? You know,
3: I actually, uh, I wanted to, in college, actually have my own business. Um, And that's one of the main reasons why I went into accounting, because I thought, okay, out of all of the different parts of a business, accounting is probably the the toughest to learn on your own. So I'm going to study that formally in college. But what happened, I really didn't know how you did that, how you actually started a business. So I never did. And I just kind of you know, through the process of different things happening in my life, I got in the music business and loved it. So even though it wasn't my own business at the time, yeah, by working like, at record labels, uh, I loved it and it was awesome.
0: That's great. Yeah, I did the same thing. I was in business school and it's like, I didn't know what I wanted to do, and right. I said, "Well, I guess accounting is the most versatile
3: right, way to right. go." It's the same kind, and of you thing. knew you would always have a job. Always because, have a because job because back then that was. Really, it's like, okay, what are you going to do to make sure you're marketable and you can always get a job? Exactly. That's how a lot of us pick that profession.
0: Absolutely. I mean, of course, opening a business can have a lot of financial benefits down the line, but it also comes with a lot of added stress. And there is a sense of stability, but maybe not as much freedom working for someone else. Now, a couple of tips. If you're thinking about making a second career before you do it, you know, get an insider look and talk to people in the field, interview people that have done what you're looking at doing. I mean, this is a great thing you can do while you're still at your other job, just to kind of gear up and get some peace of mind and and comfort in that. And be realistic about the money you need to make. So, you know, this, we talk a lot about the three buckets of money, the first bucket being the emergency fund. Um, The third bucket, of course, is retirement. But that middle bucket, bucket two, is this money that we save for times like this, transition times, where maybe you're going to leave your stable income and start uh, start a new job and you need maybe a year or two worth of expenses so that you're not stressed out and making poor decisions and trying to rush the new venture. But make sure that you have you know how much you need to make and that you've met with the financial planner. I think we know a couple, Siobhan
2: maybe I think we do down on Twelfth oh. <laughs> Avenue South called <laughs> David Adams welfare. Shameless plug. <laughs> no.
0: But uh, and also, you know, learn some new skills. I mean you may want it may be something that ahead of time you're you know, we were talking about accounting. Maybe you know you're gonna start your own business. You don't have any accounting background. Maybe there's some basic type of classes you can take, just really gear up for that. And that's part of interviewing other people that have done this, you know, starting, starting a business myself, um, five or six years ago, learned a ton just by being in it. So do some research and then also start dreaming today. Let the, let the dreams of this second career really be a motivator and a source of hope. If you're not happy in your current job, just start planning it five years in advance. I've seen a lot of clients have, uh, you know, big, uh, big breakthroughs as far as their happiness in their current job seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. Now, if you just tune in, you're listening to Retire While You Work. We've been talking about the second career, and we're going to have Sherrod Robertson, who's the owner of Music Row Magazine here in Nashville, to discuss his decision to acquire the magazine and how that affected his life and his own second career. But first, let's have a little fun. Is that okay, Jim? you no,
1: your toe. <laughs> no. Sure. It's time now for the game that tests your money knowledge, brought to you by David Adams Wealth Group. And now, here's the host of Know Your Dough, David Adams. All righty.
0: I love that. A couple, uh, couple of fun questions today. Sure, jump in there. Jimmy, you too, as well. I know sure. you like to play this. All right. All right. little money trivia. So, how much did the average investor earn between 1988 and 2008? Now, hear me out here. So the S&P 500 index earned around 8.4% a year during those 20 years. So what rate of return did the individual investor doing it on his or her own? Was it A, was it a negative return, 2%? Was it B, only 2%? C, 8%? Or D, did they do better than the market and make 12%?
2: That's a tough one because you've got 2000, 2001, 2008 in there. Yeah. Ooh, that's a tough one.
1: But you don't have 87 in there. Right. That's true. I'm going to say eight percent.
0: Eight percent. So you're going to say the average investor was pretty spot on with what the market did.
1: Yeah, it's probably wrong, but that's what I'm going to say.
3: Sherrod, <laughs> what do you think? I'm going to say two percent. I think people are, get scared of the market very quickly.
2: I'm actually going to agree with Sherrod. It going is two percent.
3: Well, it is.
0: It is two percent.
2: Oh wow! Yeah, right. yeah. Yes. <laughs> good
0: job, and that's absolutely right. I mean the. The logic behind that is, and we see it in our job every day, left and, – and you can look at people that have their own 401Ks where they don't have an advisor. They get caught up in the fear of the greed. So maybe before 2008, they're, they're putting all their money in stocks and then the market falls down. They lose 40 percent. Then they put it in the worst place. They go to cash. So you start to average that out with the bad timing and they're around 1% or 2% versus – literally if they had just left it in a the S&P or just that's a fund. That's so hard to do, fund. though. There's
2: so many emotions with that.
1: But I said 8%, so that's what I'm going to make, right? <laughs>
3: yeah,
1: right. Exactly. You're
0: smarter than the average investor. <laughs> All right. All right. Question number two. So over a 10-year investing period, what is the probability that stocks have a negative absolute return? Meaning over a 10-year period, you put in $100,000 and you had less than what you started with 10 years later. So is it A, is it only 1% of the time that happens. is B, is it 5% of the time? C, is it 25% of the time that you lose money after 10 years? Or D, half the time, 50%. Whew. Jump in there, Jimmy. You're feeling what, pretty what confident was, uh, What
1: was B again?
0: B is 5%. Mm,
1: 25 sounds high, but 5 sounds low. I'm going to go
0: with 25. 25, okay. So 25% of the time, the market loses money after 10 years. And 75% of the time, it makes money. Sherrod, what about you?
3: I'm actually going to go with the lowest, the 1%. I think 10 years, you'll recover. Okay. You know, just going off the top of my head, if I look back every 10 years, there's got to be a big enough recovery where it wouldn't be below 1%. I'm with you.
2: Ooh, I think I'm gonna split the difference. So he went with one, Jimmy went with twenty 5 go
0: five. I'm gonna
2: go with five. I really have that's, no
1: idea.
0: That's two in a row for you. So this, <laughs> is, oh, your formal, oh, no! this is your form, formal formal job that. offer right <laughs> <Okay>. now. Here's <laughs> your I signing bonus. Siobhan,
1: aren't you a financial planner? <laughs> I think she I think she's
0: uh, y'all think have she, any
3: job openings? Yeah.
0: I think Siobhan's <laughs> punning a little bit, trying to I probably gotta keep her out of it because she probably knows these answers. But no, that is right. So only uh only one percent of the time. Over a ten-year period, has a market loss, and I believe, I mean, there's different timeframes, but from 2000 to 2010, if you invested right before 9/11 and then 2008, you had a million bucks in the market, you walked away with probably like 950, 990 thousand after sense. a ten-year period, and
2: that's called the lost decade, right? Yeah, they
0: call it the lost decade. Yeah, and Trying but that's to, that's an anomaly though. Like even if you went from 2002 to 12, you made money. So generally speaking, over a ten-year period, if you can get investors just you know to think long-term, you're you're going to do okay but that leads to the third question what is the probability of a negative return for the s&p 500 over any one year period between 85 and 2008 so what percent of the time does is the market negative does the market lose money is it a half the time 50% b 10% of the time c 20% of the time or d 100% of the time <laughs> uh, jimmy you said d 100% of the time no
1: yeah. i've got to get one of these right i'm going to say 20%
0: 20%, okay. Our new employee, sure.
1: <laughs> I'm I'm
3: going to go with that, too. I'm going to say 20%. Okay. Uh,
2: that's what my gut's telling me.
3: So well. we're all going to win or we're all going to lose. <laughs> hey, at least mm-hmm. we're doing
2: it all together.
0: Everybody, pat yourself on the back. It is 20% of the awesome. time. So good job. <laughs> yes. Three I for three, as our winner. So, yeah, one out of five years on average, the market's down. And that's what we tell people. In our office, you know, if you've got you know this hundred thousand dollars, and you say, "What do I do with it?" If you think there's a fighting, if you think there's a fighting chance, you're not going to spend it for five years. You, the odds are with you that you're going to make decent money. If it's money you're going to use in a year, you still have about an eighty percent chance of the market doing of making money. But that's that's kind of the thought process there. So, great job. We'll have some new questions next week, and share it out. You won't be here next week, so we'll try to stump somebody else because you're right. a tough, <laughs> <know>. tough cookie. <laughs>
2: It's that accounting background, it's right? A, yeah, <laughs> that's,
0: yeah, that's right. his own exactly. business, too. Business. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're, yeah. Um, all right. Well, you've been listening to Retire Where You Work. I'm your host, David Adams, on News Radio 1510 WLAC. And when we come back from the break, we're going to answer some of your questions we received throughout the week. Please go online to retirewhereyouwork.com. Send us your question. We'd love to answer it. We will be back in a few. And welcome back to Retire While You Work. I'm your host, David Adams, on News Radio 1510 WLAC. And just before the break, we were talking about the art of the second career. And along those lines, we have special guest, Sherrod Robertson, who's going to be on in our next segment. You don't want to miss that to talk about his journey into his second career as he acquired Music Row magazine. Now, every week, we get questions from you, our listeners, and you can go to retirewhileyouwork.com, click contact us, or give us a call at 615 435 3644. But we get your questions throughout the week, and we try to answer them on this segment each week on the show. And also, some of these questions come from actual client meetings in our office. So, a nice combination of the two. And the goal is to help uh, or is to answer these questions in ways that truly add value and really help you as far as that retire while you work mindset, which is what we promote on this show every week and why we do it. And not to give some cookie cutter financial kind of textbook answer, but to add a little bit more of a holistic approach. So that being said, Siobhan, do we have any questions? What are
1: you doing? Oh, no. We have an open now. You know this. I know. I was trying to skip it. Right, Let's do right, it. Here we go. <laughs> You've got questions. He's got answers. It's Ask David. We don't need no <laughs> <education>. <laughs> Brought to you by David Adams Wealth Group. Here's your host, Siobhan Farler.
0: (laughs) There we go. Now it's official. All right, Jim, you got a kick out of that. All right, Siobhan. I like the
2: music too. I think it's pretty fun. All right. So the first question we got this week is I'm a struggling songwriter, songwriter, excuse me, songwriter, like so many here in Nashville. I finally got a publishing deal. Yay. And getting about $2,500 a month or so. And I'm living with a friend. So I'm living paycheck to paycheck. I got my first big cut in a recent number one. Awesome. I know this is great. So it looks like I'll be netting around 270,000 in the next few months by the year's end. I know you David and your firm, David Adams Wealth Group work with a lot of musicians right. and I just want to be smart with this money because it's so hard to get a number one hit and to make this type of money. I know I need a car and I also have about 30,000 or so in student loans. And of course, after making a number one hit, I kind of want to go and celebrate and do a party for Heck my parents. Yeah. Uh, their 60th wedding anniversary is coming up. So, how? What do I do with this lump of money? And I'm thrilled, but I also am tired of living paycheck to paycheck. Okay, there's very, a lot there. There's a
0: lot there. A lot of stuff. But we get this question a lot. Um, it's also very, uh, very much in line with the, today's topic. So, now when when you say net, my guess is. Um, the 270000 from the publishing company, more than likely, we're going to need to set aside taxes. So I'm just going to assume we're going to set aside at least 25% for taxes, probably more, but just for the purposes of answering this question. So let's call it you know $200,000 net-net that we have after taxes. I've seen too many musicians and athletes that have come into our office that get these signing bonuses or you know their number one hit payment. And they forget to set aside money for taxes. And Uncle Sam
2: it, is going to take his. Absolutely. So. And
0: then they put it down on a house, and then they're kind of playing catch up. So let's just let's take that off the top. So seventy thousand off the top for taxes leaves us two hundred thousand. Now I would go and get a car that's, let's say, reasonable. I'd I'd, I'd suggest a used car. Um, try to pay cash for it. I mean, if you've got this two hundred thousand, um, there's no reason I'd, I'd want to see you paying interest to a. Um, you know, to finance a car. So let's say that's twenty thousand bucks, and then I think you mentioned thirty thousand dollars of student loans. That's a no-brainer. I mean, if you have this lump sum, I'd go ahead and knock those out. Um, interest rates probably low on those, but with two hundred thousand sitting there, um, I would take care of those in the car. So there's fifty thousand bucks. You know, maybe three thousand, three, 000, four, 000, five thousand dollars for a trip. I think it's definitely important to uh, to celebrate a moment like this because you're one of the few, one of the one percenters. Um not only having a publishing deal, but actually getting a number one hit. So this is very important to set this track. And that goes back tri- to
2: the work life balance that we've talked about too, about taking a little bit of money and going and enjoying some life before in work, not working all the time.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and especially Siobhan, if you're gonna pay for a car cash and pay off your student loans and this is a great time to do something for yourself. We wanted to have some some good feeling behind it. And also mentioning um I think it was parents' sixtieth birthday. Um, uh, maybe taking, I don't know, five thousand, ten thousand, whatever it costs to do a really memorable party. So I think these are very important. So let's just say sixty thousand bucks or so for those things that you want to do off you know, paying for paying off the student loans, a car and doing the trip and the party. Now you have hundred and forty thousand And this is the way I would look at that. I would go ahead and set aside about thirty thousand dollars into that bucket one, what we call the emergency fund. because as songwriters, you never know what your income's going to look like for the next six months. Uh, we work with a lot of songwriters. A lot of times we'll even suggest um, six to, six months to a year worth of income, just depending on if there's royalties and where they're at in their career. Um, then, then I'd say with that, you know, max out the SEP IRA. That's a retirement account. Most musicians are uh, 1099. They're um, independent contractors, so they can do what's known as a SEP, which allows them to put up to, I think, in 2017, it's $54,000 totally tax deductible regardless of uh, your income, which is uh, very, very important. So if you make over 250,000 or so, you can do up to the max of 54,000. If you make less, you can do about 20 to 25% of your income. So I do that and that'll leave about $50,000 that you could also go and put into the middle bucket. So this is for midterm goals a backup to your emergency fund but we don't necessarily want $100,000 sitting in cash making 0.0% at the bank so we have our 50,000 in our SEP growing um, probably in a higher higher growth portfolio we have the 30,000 emergency fund sitting in the bank and then we've got another chunk of money in this middle bucket that's kind of moderately invested that we can get our hands on if we need it it's liquid It's not tied up like retirement, but also it has a fighting chance of making some sort of return. So it's very important to kind of build that uh, financial foundation and hit these three buckets when you get that first chunk of money.
2: So they've paid off their debt, and then now they're hitting all three buckets: emergency Emergency fund, Fund, retirement, um,
0: bought a car, cash,
2: middle middle bucket. So they are knocking out everything in one swoop. That's yep. amazing.
0: That's, but this is where we've seen people come into the office after they've already received this check and they've already maybe put it all as a down payment on a house, <laughs> which isn't a bad. I mean, which isn't a bad thing depending on the price of the house, but it's then illiquid. Right. And why why don't we do a little bit into each of the different buckets? So
1: can I ask a question about that? No, you can't. Jim. Okay, great. <laughs> kind of Let, let's just okay. So we had 140 we were playing with. Okay. So what if we took like the bulk of that and and put it in mutual funds and then possibly got like a monthly draw for that. Could you do something like that?
0: I mean, you certainly could, but I wouldn't do that without having the other ducks in a row. I mean, like if let's say this number had been $500,000 and we had already, um, we had already done the emergency. Let's put it this way: If we've done the emergency fund, we've maxed out the retirement account to get the tax deduction, and we've paid off any bad debt. Whatever's left should go in that. Could go into that investment bucket. Absolutely. Well, the
1: reason I, because all the questions he asked, and he asked a bunch. Um, the thing that I that I hear screaming was, "I'm tired of living paycheck to paycheck." Okay, well, we know how volatile songwriting is, and I hope this doesn't happen. Well, what if he never has another hit? Right. You know, he's going to be living paycheck to paycheck for a long time.
0: That's right. But that middle, that, that account, those that investment bucket we're talking about, that just becomes that bridge, hopefully, where you know the songwriter, if they're going to go on to another career or do something different, that could give them a year's worth of income um, to kind of bridge that gap. Okay. So, but good stuff. I think we solved the world's problems with that one. I think I like we it. did,
2: too. Are you ready for another one? Sure. For Ask David? Yep. All right. So, this one came from a client this past week. It was a very interesting email. They said, a friend who was also an advisor said that they needed to um, actually buy certain communications and a tech investment. Would you put all of my portfolio in those two investments?
0: So a friend who's an advisor wanted this person to put all their money into communications and a tech investment. So um, not sure what investment that is, but let me answer it this way. Um, I do remember – I actually do remember this meeting. We told him try not to to take advice casually and generically like this. Hire someone – whether it's a friend or not, um, but really look at all of your buckets. I remember they ended up hiring us, but we had to make it clear that our, about our process and how we don't deviate from the process because these kind of blanket recommendations in our industry are the ones that potentially hurt investors long term. Um, you know, I, I always say in our office in a meeting, the investment recommendations um, should be the last piece. And I disagree here about having all your money in a few investment products. I mean, that's in my opinion diversification can and should go a lot further and a lot deeper than this. And we did a whole show on this a while back, and a portfolio needs a lot more than just a tech and a communications um, investment, in my opinion. So, again, I'd start with the three buckets. I would build a couple of core portfolios that had a little bit of U.S., international, fixed income, cash, et cetera. And then once we have all of that built, then we can start doing the – Kind of what we call the satellite investments, where we pick a couple of sectors and maybe swing for the fences a little bit, but we never give put a client in a situation where they could lose 50, 60 percent with their core money.
2: Right.
0: Right. So, um, I think it's time for a break, and excited to to mention that when we come back, we have special guest Sherrod Robertson with uh, Music Row Magazine to talk about the second career and his his journey through that. Um, you won't want to miss that, and we will be back in a few. Hello, and welcome back to Retire While You Work. I'm your host, David Adams, on News Radio 1510 WLAC. And before the break, we were answering your questions that we received throughout the week. And be sure to go to retirewhileyouwork.com, click the Contact Us button. We'd love to get your question. Or give us a call at the office at 615-435-3644. Now, every week on the show in this last segment, we like to have a special guest that really uh, really is along the lines of the Retire While You Work mindset that we talk about every week here on the radio. And we were talking earlier in the first segment about the art of the second career. And we have a special guest, Sherrod Robertson, uh, to talk about his journey in that uh, in those lines. And now Sherrod's background is also in finance. Um, owning Music Row Magazine is actually a second career for him and a short bio about him. Sherrod is president and owner of Music Row Enterprises. He oversees all the operations and develops strategic initiatives for Music Row Magazine, Row in Music Row's Country Breakout Chart, and he previously served as Director of Finance for Arista Records after beginning his career as Vice President of Finance and CFO at Reunion Reunion Records. And he's here to chat about his decision to purchase Music Row Magazine and some of the positives and the challenges he has faced as a result. Hello, Sherrod.
3: Hello, hello.
0: Was all that correct?
3: That's all correct. (laughs) Very good. That's all
0: accurate. Well, great. Well, thanks for being here. Um, You know, tell us, you know, what inspired you to make the transition from accounting, uh, something I know very dearly, um, to owning a magazine?
3: Yeah. So uh, fortunately, I was very familiar with Music Row. I used to be a subscriber back in the 90s. I worked at Arista Records and, like you just mentioned, also Reunion Records. So I had this entertainment experience always on the finance side. I was always in the finance department at these record labels. And because of consolidations, and we know how that works in the music business, there was a point where I lost my job, frankly. And me, along with pretty much everybody at Arista back in 2000. So we all went our own way. I kind of stumbled around for a while trying to figure out what I was uh, wanting to do. And I ended up getting into media. Still finance, though. Gotcha. And I worked for Southcom and became CFO of Southcom. And Southcom owned... Uh, still owns uh, In Focus, Nashville Scene, oh, wow. and okay. just many, many different publications. And they ended up buying Music Row magazine. And I was familiar with Music Row. I thought, oh, this is awesome. Um, I used to be a subscriber. I used it a lot in the nineties. And but it really didn't fit their model because their model was to buy something and then duplicate it in other cities. Okay. And Music Row, there's only one Music Row. Right. So. Um, Shortly thereafter, maybe about two and a half years down the road, they said, "Well, this probably isn't going to work for us long term. So let's sell it off, and let's see if we can uh, quietly go get a buyer for it." So they came to me since I was the CFO of of Southcom, and I immediately knew at that point, "That's mine." Did they come to you to ask if you wanted to buy it, or just to tell you to to start shopping, shopping shopping prep for it, right? And I immediately knew that was an opportunity that I was going to uh, jump on. So all of that, if you look back at at kind of my route, all of that was happening without me really, you know, participating in making it happen. It It was an opportunity that just came up. And but I had been preparing for that opportunity for many, many years, just didn't realize it until the opportunity came up which kind of leads me to my one piece of advice for anybody running their own company or wanting to run their own company.
0: I am taking notes. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. And I
3: actually got this. I, I, one of the, the best things about my job is when I get to interview people and then I learn so much from that interview. And, uh, and then I take away just these nuggets that I keep forever. And so one of the things that I learned in an interview that I did in the past Uh, This guy, he said, Always put yourself in places where opportunity can happen.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. Very
3: simple, but always put yourself in places where opportunity can happen. For example, you had a question from a songwriter. Uh, So, that songwriter, if somebody says, Where should I go to write songs? Well, the one place you should not write songs is in your home by yourself. Absolutely. Because no opportunity will ever happen, right? You need to go to your PRO or your publisher or um, wherever. There's so many different places that you could write music because when you go, when you're at home and you go get a cup of coffee, you're never going to run into somebody.
0: Right. You need to collaborate. You need to be around the energy and yeah.
3: And you don't have to force that. See, that's what's so great about this advice that I was given. You know, if you try to force opportunities, a lot of times that won't happen. But you can make sure you're present and you're in a place where they can happen.
0: So you were sitting in the right place I at the was. right time. But you, right. yeah, well, that's that's great. And what have been uh, some of the challenges you faced in kind of making this transition and in your second career, if you will?
3: Yeah, I think the um, probably the first challenge that comes to mind is, well, probably two right off the bat. One is I was really good at working for a boss and pleasing my boss and making sure my boss was happy with my work. As soon as that's ripped away, you don't have a boss. And I know a lot of people will hear that and say, yes, I don't want a boss. But when you (laughs) don't have a boss, it's all on you. And so you do the work, but then you also have to decide, is that work?
2: Is that a value? Right,
3: right. And they
0: they say a lot of times, you know, it's lonely at the top
3: sometimes. And you have to evaluate your own work. You can't say, hey, here, take a look at this and tell me what you think. No, you have to do that to your own work. So I think that was probably one of the, the bigger challenges at the beginning. Sure. The other thing was um, I was used to, like you, I was finance. And so I was used to managing CPAs and accountants and not creatives, not journalists and and graphic designers and things like that. So that took a little adjusting to do sure. because personalities are different. And um, their values, you know, what they value is different. And me, just, you know, it's one thing to like look at a balance sheet and go, okay, that number's off. You can easily tell there's a problem there. But with journalism or graphic design or these other things that are that we have at Music Grow subjective. There's not a black yeah. or white. So I had to really move my thinking from black and white. Oh yeah to a more creative environment. The left brain to the right brain right. transition. exactly.
0: Absolutely. No, you mentioned, yeah, I mean, when I made my transition from working for a bigger company to, to, to kind of becoming the boss, if you will, that was one of the challenges of not having, having you know, people to collaborate with. So I had to go and find other independent uh, financial advisors that ran their own firm. So there's a group of 10 or 12 of us throughout the country, and we meet twice a year. And that's been great. It's like, oh, that's it's like, really good. It's yeah. like therapy. Yeah, and that's this, the
3: way I am yeah. now with my peers. I mean, that's what energizes me. When I go have lunch with someone who's, like, running their own uh, management company or their own publicity firm, I mean, even though they're not doing exactly what I'm doing, they're having a lot of the same issues come up. Because people are still people throughout no matter what company it is. Exactly. And um, you can feed off of each other and share, like, best practices with each other. And that's where I get my strength from. And uh, my energy from it is whenever I meet with these these people in the music business.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And there's groups like the um, EO group and different groups right. to you mm-hmm. know, with other business owners. Well, what other lessons can can you share? I know that was a great lesson about being present and putting yourself in opportunities right. way, but what what other lessons would you I share?
3: I think another thing, and this is really um, not so much my doing, but it's definitely something that I you know, am keeping with Music Row is that I love the fact that you mentioned the three buckets for your money uh, uh, personally, that you have these buckets. I view the same exact way in business. So I have a lot of different buckets. and, And when I say buckets with business, I'm talking about revenue streams. So for me, I like having a lot of different revenue streams in different buckets. And then when one is strong, that's great, but when one is weak, it doesn't bring down the whole company. Absolutely. And so that's a a big part of my philosophy with the the company. And I'm fortunate that that that's the way that it it was set up beforehand. And I've added to it, I've added additional buckets. Um, But for me, it's it's not as linear, one lane type of activity that we do. We have various different uh, revenue streams. Were so you, that, that, oh, sorry, no, that, I, that helps a lot whenever you have your own company.
0: Absolutely. I agree. Just the, 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 just, in even the, you know, the, the visual of just thinking about the different buckets and knowing that, you know, I've got this cash for kind of a rainy day. I've got these three right. sources of revenue. This one's off this month, but this one, this is a good time of year for this exactly. bucket. Exactly. And you can kind of project and there's some comfort there. Now, were you scared making this transition and was money like not, maybe it was about money, maybe emotionally, but were you fearful? Or was it all excitement? Because you sounded pretty. excited. Yeah, you know, I was
3: not fearful at all. I, you know, I try not to. I, I try to manage fear. I think people who say I have no fear, I kind of question that because I think we all have fears, right? Yeah. Um. But what I try to do, and I, I, I am constantly looking at myself in the mirror and making sure fear is not causing me not to do something. Yeah. If I've got a really good reason not to do it, that's fine. But if it's fear, that's not good. Um and when it came to music row i've had moments of being fearful whenever i bought music row um the buying it was not fearful at all i was so like i was so focused on getting oh, yeah. that oh, yeah. and moving forward with it because your gut told you oh, I mean, yeah, you, you are yeah. you had clarity right right it was just an immediate decision and um, but then i was in debt because i uh, didn't have the money to just buy it outright so sure. I, I took out a, a very large loan a uh, Probably bigger than I thought I would ever have its um, own
0: separate bucket. <laughs>
3: <laughs> it was more than a bucket. <laughs> it was a very big bucket. Very big. And so for me because I'm conservative by nature when it comes to money, that bothered me a lot.
0: Sure. Um, also motivated you maybe?
3: Yes, it
1: did. Yeah.
3: It motive yes, I just worked my butt off constantly yep. and and paid it off. So um, I probably missed out on a few things on the on the joy side of it. And I think that's okay. There are periods in your life that that you may not have the 50-50 balance of work-life. Yeah, um, it, it's okay to have periods of your time if you know what your plan is, if you know what your goal is.
2: If you right. see the light at the end right. of the tunnel. Right, exactly. Right. Well,
0: quickly, we're almost out of time. But is there any quick advice you have for artists and songwriters in this uh, changing, rapidly changing industry?
3: Yeah, I think something, probably what I would leave with the creatives that are listening, is... Um, you're going to have your highs, and you're going to have your lows. And then you're going to have your highs, and then you're going to have your lows. <laughs> and my biggest advice would be just to write it. Like, don't, We're not meant to be at the high point the whole time. One time I interviewed Brenda Lee, and she said, you know what? You can't be number one all the time. That's why they have all those other numbers under it. Absolutely. Thank you, Sherrod. And be
0: sure to pick up a copy of Music Row magazine. Thanks for listening uh, with us today. You've been listening to Retire While You Work. I'm your host, David Adams, News Radio 1510 WLAC. Give us a call 615-435-3644 with your question or visit Retire While You Work or come see us at our office in the historic 12 South neighborhood. We'd love to see you. I'm David Adams. Remember, life is short and there are many more important things to worry about than money and certainly hope that this show helps.
1: Investment advisory services are offered through Raymond James Financial Services Advisors, Inc. David Adams Wealth Group is not a registered broker-dealer and is independent of Raymond James Financial Services. Member FINRA, SIPC.